are your friends? Who do you speak to about love, life and everything else that entails? I'm Kirsty Fitzpatrick and I'm 20-something and this is my friend Jen Saderhelm. She's 40-something. Despite, or maybe in fact, of our 20-year age gap, we've come to seek each other out for advice and feedback. We're more connected than you think and that's why we've started this podcast, 2040, celebrating friendship across generations. 2040 Season 2, Podcast 19, Commitment. So I wanted to chat today because you and I have recently recorded a podcast about moving on where you are in the middle of selling the house and I've just recently moved house. And during the week, I was speaking to some girlfriends and we sort of got talking about the topic of when you are in a relationship for a little while, you've gone through that sort of honeymoon period and getting to know each other, you maybe start sleeping over at each other's houses and meeting family and housemates. And then the next step in a lot of circumstances is moving in. And it's sort of like a linear sequence. You live together and then there's an expectation that marriage comes next and then the kids come next, maybe that you buy a house somewhere in the middle of all of that. We were talking about how we all sort of have this view, but I don't know if this happens this way anymore. The conversation I want to have today is, does marriage still matter? Yeah, I was thinking about you this week because it dawned on me that I was your age when I got married. And I don't feel like you're really young, Kirsty. But I feel like I was really young and I kind of look at the ambient environment around me because we'd been together for only two and a half years. And I say only two and a half years, like that's a long time. But anyway, I'll come back to this in just a moment because what you just asked is so relevant because a friend of mine is trying to get a book published. She's just recently got married for the second time and it was really important to her with this new partner that they got married, that mattered. And she'd put together a book around how to get married in today's day and age economically. And she received the message back from the publisher saying, people aren't really interested in marriage nowadays. It's not an interesting conversation. Marriage doesn't matter. And I was so, I know, I was so stunned at that. This is one of those things I wonder if it's a girl thing that we still really want the white dress, the special day, the commitment, all our friends and family to witness the love between you and your partner. And so that matters. But over the last 20 years, since my husband and I kind of got married, I have changed my views on some things that I was really rigid on beforehand. It's really funny that that lady says, she doesn't think marriage and commitment is important anymore or that that conversation isn't happening because I think it 100% is still happening. I think it might just be that it's taking place in a bit of a different way. I think the conversations that are being had now are about marriage, but maybe not everyone is saying that that's what they still want. I feel like a lot of people value it more than you expect, but don't say it out loud. And In my generation, when we're talking about second marriages, so divorce second time round, I feel like there a lot of people still really need the commitment aspect. Not so much the bells and whistles day, but they really need that piece of paper and that ring that says that that person is committing to them and them only, especially if it's not been so good the first time round. But it feels like saying it out loud is old fashioned. There's where I'm going with that. So I just want to quickly come back to something you said at the start, because you said that you were about my age when you got married. I'm 24 and my mum got married at 24, my grandmother got married at 24 and my sister got married at 24. 
And when I was younger, I always wanted to get married young and have kids young. I wanted to be in that point of my life now where getting married was very close and having kids was in the next year or so. And now being in this position, there's no way that that will happen in the next year or a couple of years in terms of the marriage and kids. And so I have to admit, I get a bit scared because I think I won't be getting married this year because you have to be engaged to get married. And plus with everything that's going on COVID-19, it's already almost the middle of the year. That's not happening. And then I think, well, Ideally, for me, I am one of those old-fashioned people where ideally for me, I would like to have children after I get married because I would like to have the same last name as my kids. And that's just always been a thing that I've had. And I've spoken to some people about it who've agreed, and that's been uplifting and that I know I'm not the only one who sort of has these old-fashioned mindset. Not to say that if I was to have children first, there would be any issue, but it's just how I've always wanted it. I've wanted to be married and experience our marriages as us together before we bring children into the world. And yeah, I, I want to share their last name. And so now being at the point where on my next birthday, I'll be 25. I won't be married by the time I'm 25. I don't think I'll have children by the time I'm 25. All of a sudden, time is running away from me. And I'm getting to that point where I'm going... But if I, I always wanted to be a younger mum and if I'm 27, 28, 29, oh, I, I don't want to be that age. Not that that's old in any way, shape or form, but my mind doesn't connect to that being not that far off and me thinking, oh, I could be in a position where I still don't have those things at that age. Wow. I, and I come from it from a different angle. I feel like for some of my girlfriends who are trying this second time round and they come with kids, sometimes yeah. meeting a guy who hasn't been through that process already, there's that fear of the commitment because a guy can have children at any stage in their life. But if a woman's had her children and she connects with a guy who's maybe in his 30s or something like that who hasn't, is there going to come a point where he'll one day go, hey, I want kids and by that stage there's no way or no interest perhaps, like I wouldn't want any more kids now. But yeah, yeah. the time factor for a woman I think is one of the underlying factors far more than for a guy. No guy sits there at 25 thinking, well, I better make sure I think about the kid timeline because they don't have to. They don't have to. So back to marriage and the commitment side of things, have you got any friends that are in their 40s that have never been married, have never been interested, don't believe in it, so to speak? I have one who fits most of that description, except that I don't think in the past she was never interested. But I think okay. that situations has meant that she is now would never consider it. Also, now that I think about it, my mum has three sisters None of them married. Okay. I have no cousins and you don't sort of have this discussion with your aunts, but all of them have seemingly been self-sufficient across their lives to not need the partner. And I really should ask the question of, did you wish you had children? Did you wish you got married? I don't know. So with your friend that you said fits that bill, why didn't she want to get married? Did she just not believe in it? Did she just think it was pointless? Well, she's a symptom of the modern age in that for at least a decade of her life, all she did was work. And that's a factor as well because yeah. times have changed where my mother had us and very happily, I'll add, stayed home with us for a large portion of the time. That's just not an option. And on top of not being an option... 
speaking for me personally, even with my children very young, for a lot of that time, I worked full time. And for two years, my husband was a stay at home dad, which is highly unusual. But I've been very career driven. And that's hard with the marriage children. And you don't know or realize it until you go through it. But one of the other things for me, coming back to the name thing, this is really interesting what you said about wanting to have the same last name as your children. I respect that totally. Yeah. My husband is the end of a family line, so it mattered, and he's got a highly unusual last name. So I was very happy to take his name, and I love that our children have his name. However, I am also the end of my family line, but when I married my husband, I didn't realise that. My brother passed away a couple of years after we got married. So there's a little part in me now that almost wishes I'd kept my last name for my family. This is very, very timely, this conversation, because I was chatting to a couple of my friends at work, both males, about this just the other day at work. And it was sort of a a bit of a jokey conversation. But when we actually got into it, it was very interesting because I'm also the end of my family line. So there are no Fitzpatricks after me. My dad was one of four, but he had three sisters, all of whom have been married, all of who took their husband's names. And my dad had two girls, my sister who's married and has taken her husband's name and me. So after me, if I have children and I take my husband-to-be's name, I'm also the end of that line. And when I was speaking about this at work the other day, I never think about that. I would always take my fiance's name when I got married. That's just always something I've thought that I've done. I've never gone, no, I wouldn't do that because I'm the end of the family line. And I know that there's a commonality now that people keep it for work purposes. And a girl that I work with, Claire, she is married, but she keeps her maiden name for work purposes because she's in media and a journalist. And so in terms of people finding her work and that sort of thing, it's a lot easier for her to have stuck with her maiden name. But then outside of work, I believe, she's her married name. The same with another lady I work with. She's been on TV for quite a few years and it wasn't until she did an interview with her dad the other day that I realised, oh, they have the same name. She's married and has children, but she still has her maiden name. And I wonder why that was. So this is very, very timely because the conversation we started to have with, with my, my two male friends at work was, would you take somebody else's name given you're the end of the family line? And my answer's always been yes. To me, and again, maybe this is more the traditional or the old-fashioned way of thinking, but to me, that's part of it. You become your own family then. And, you know, I, I love my dad. In no way would I ever want to upset him, but I don't think it would bother him at all if his two daughters were to get married and not keep their last name. This is fascinating. It's such a different thing now because a couple of my into second relationship girlfriends or recently divorced girlfriends, it has been profoundly important to them to go back to their maiden name because it is the final step away from the relationship that's ended. But on the other hand, funnily enough, one of my girlfriends who came out of one of the most difficult marriages has kept his last name for her children. Yes, yes, I've seen examples of that too. But then that makes me think, why have they kept it? Like, is it because they want to have the same last name as their kids or is it because they don't want their kids to be asked, why does your mum have a different name? Like, I wonder what the motive behind that is. Well, there's so much more to it, isn't it? Because I don't think that the second part of the children getting upset about it's really a factor in this particular instance. But the second string to this is that professionally she's known by the first last name. So I think that was a 
deciding factor. But for the other two girlfriends, both of whom have highly successful professional lives, it was really important to revert back to their maiden name, irrespective. One final thing, because it's always stuck with me. When I was 18 or 19, I was working in uh, holiday care. And there was a, I'm going to even use her name because it's so stuck with me. Her name was Simone Chrysocoides, which is a really unusual last name. And yeah. she, I remember her because she was a really beautiful girl and she had this incredible engagement ring, which she was saying how that last name, Chrysocoides, she was really attached to her father. And I think her father had recently passed away and she was the end of the family line and it had devastated her that he died before she'd gotten married. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that the end of the family line mattered so much to her that when she got engaged, she said, look, I don't want to lose my last name. And her partner had said, I will take yours. Yeah, that's interesting too. And that came up in my conversation with my work friends the other day about would my partner take my last name if we were to get married? I cannot think of a circumstance where I've ever actually seen or heard that happen with anyone that I know. No, see, I had neither. And I thought to myself, and I still remember, this is why it stuck with me. He must love her that much to value her name above his. But even then, an interesting comment for you to make, given for women, I don't think it's about valuing the name. Well, it hasn't been. It's just the done thing we just take. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's the point, is that it's not about the women value their husband's name more than theirs. I think, as you say, I think it's just a dumb thing. And I think maybe for him, he maybe, maybe not so much didn't value the name, but just went, well, if this is what will work, then this is what will work. It also plays the same part when it comes to people who hyphenate their names as well. There's obviously some decision that they want to keep both of their names there. Going back almost to the start of the conversation, one of the things that I do strongly believe if you're going to make a decision to get married is that you do need to have lived together first because until you've lived together for a year, you just don't know how it's going to be because it's one thing to stay overnight and it's all lovey-dovey until you get up in the morning and you go and do your ablutions at home without anyone looking. But once you've lived under each other's feet for a year, you know. My sister and my sister's husband didn't live together before they got married. They moved in the night of their wedding. They'd never lived together. And I spoke to my sister about it one time and I said, is there any part of you that's thought, oh my goodness, when I start living with this person, it could be an absolute disaster. We could be totally different people. We might be on totally different schedules. He might be messy. I might be clean. All the trivial and important things that come with it. And she said to me, and I love this, she said to me, to us, living together is a part of marriage. Living together is a part of the journey of marriage and it's something that we look forward to doing and going through both the ups and downs of when we're married. It's part of our marriage journey. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, that completely answers my question and completely makes sense. And I'd never thought of it that way before, that for them, living together was a part of that journey. It wasn't just, oh, well, okay, we better live together to work out. One of us is a morning person and one of us isn't. It was that, well, it doesn't matter. We love each other. We're going to commit to each other for the rest of our lives. Whether we have a few differences in terms of our living arrangements or not, that's an experience that we get to have as a married couple because that's part of life. When I got married, my mother is Christian and she said to me that my living with my husband beforehand was living in sin. She said this to me a couple of times, but she couldn't stop me. And it was very interesting and I feel wonderfully grateful for my mother-in-law and my mother and my mother-in-law became really good friends and I wonder if there was a conversation they had without me ever knowing. But my mother-in-law 
absolutely said, if you don't have sex and if you haven't lived together before you get married, you are crazy. You have to do it. You have to make sure these things work for you because if they don't work in the marriage, you're stuffed. Mm. But then again, maybe people have different views on marriage then as a whole. As my sister said, living together was part of that journey of marriage. It was all part of it. And they would make it work because they loved one another. They weren't going to get divorced or anything simply because maybe one was messy and one wasn't or they had slightly different living arrangements and been married for almost a couple of years this year and or it'll be two years this year and they've lived together that whole time and they have a, a baby boy and everything's fine. There's not been any problems with them living together, having not lived together before they got married. And coming back to the question about does marriage still matter, to some people I wonder if whether you get married and then live together or just live together, what's the real difference nowadays? Yeah, it's much to ponder over. And here's another one that has come to light. A friend of a friend does not live with her partner. She has two children with him and she believes the success of the relationship is that they don't live together. What? Really? Yep. Everyone's experience of this is different and you are positively open to your own sister's experience it's different to how you're living your own life with your own partner etc there's no right or wrong way to do it and another couple that I know quite well they have separate bedrooms I know some couples like that too and I have to admit I've always found that bizarre to me that's such an intimate thing like I want to go to bed with my partner every night I want to wake up in the morning next to my partner every day when he's not here or if I'm somewhere else you miss that presence I've always found that odd as to why a married couple or a couple in a relationship in a happy relationship don't sleep in the same bed well I've got a really personal story for you When we got married, we went to the UK. We lived in this house that had this tiny bed. And because I've been used my whole life to sleeping in the bed by myself, whenever I would turn over with the doona, I would take the doona with me and I would rob it from my husband. And we got so frustrated because we had no proper heating in the house with this that we ended up sleeping in the same bed, but we had two doonas, one for me and one for him. Yeah. When we moved back to Australia, I was very happy to keep this arrangement up and my husband said to me, this is not right. Real couples don't have two doonas. Real couples sleep under the same doona. And so I had to learn to not steal the doona as I had done all wow. my life to sleep under that, which I don't do anymore. But there's an evolution of our relationship because it mattered yeah. to him that we didn't have two doonas but slept in the same bed. We had yeah. to share the doona. I love that. I think it also shows that To him, that was important. To him, he wanted that closeness. He didn't want you to be somewhat separated. And I suppose having two doonas is in some ways a bit of a barrier between you both being able to snuggle or even just feeling each other. I really like that. I like that he said that. And and again, maybe to you, though, maybe to you, it just didn't matter. You're like, oh, as long as I get a good night's sleep and I'm warm, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas to him, there was obviously something that he really struggled with and obviously thought, no, no, for whatever reason, this doesn't feel right. Everyone's private bedrooms in their relationships is a different entity. And we've been very fortunate that we don't have children who come in and share the bed with us. I can't really remember if we just sort of said go away. But I don't seem to really recall that my children were actively bed sleepers with us. But a couple of my girlfriends every night have a child in their bed with them. And I don't know how they do that. I just don't know how they have the two of them in the bed with a child, how that works. It's like sleeping with a dog too. They move so much. 
much. So that to me, and I mean, I, I'm not standing in any judgment on this, but it's just from my viewpoint, I can't see how they could be intimate. Do you know what I mean? These are the things yeah, I think sure. about. So do you think, going back to whether or not marriage and commitment still matters, do you think it does for young people today? I mean, being someone that is married and has children and is seeing friends go through different relationships now or get divorced or get remarried, what do you think it's like for a generation like mine? Let's use my oldest son as an example. I wouldn't want him to hurry into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're prepared to get down on one knee and propose to someone and commit to marriage, well, I think you're saying a lot more than just, hey, let's just live together and maybe share the bills. There's a girlfriend of mine whose ex-partner proposed to her a long time ago and she said yes, but she didn't want to. And she said yes because he proposed around other people. And she said yes because she thought that that was the right thing to do was to say yes and somebody proposed. And when the relationship ended, she later said to me, oh, he never wanted that either. He just proposed because he was trying to fix the relationship. And Mm. I thought, wow, I wonder how often that happens too. And that's sad in itself because what does marriage mean to that person? And again, as someone like you who definitely thinks marriage still matters and who wants to get married and who is really excited about that in my future and hopes it's in my future with my current partner, how hard that is to hear that some people just do it because they're trying to fix something or they're trying to make something better. And it's the same for having children. You will have heard many people who've had a child because they think it will keep the relationship together. And if anything, it's the most challenging thing you can throw at a relationship. This comes from you being in a relationship that's in a good space. And when you're in a relationship that's struggling for one reason or another, sometimes you think that that grand gesture of love is something that will help. There's another thing my sister once said to me, and my partner, funnily enough, is on the exact same page. And we spoke about this recently. My sister had said to me, engagement is another thing altogether, but she views engagement as you get engaged to get married. And she says there's been a lot of people that she's come across in life that have been engaged for years and years and years, and they just have never made that next commitment. They've never made that marriage commitment. And she said, I sometimes think people get engaged and they don't think anything of it. They just think, oh, well, we're engaged and that's just a label and we get to wear a nice ring and it doesn't mean anything if they don't choose to get married afterwards. And I sort of thought that some people get engaged and are engaged for a long time for financial reasons before they get married or because they are trying to still pick where they want it and who they want it with and all the logistical things of planning a wedding itself. And she said, yeah, but... When there's people that are engaged for lengthy periods of time with no intention of getting married, why are they engaged? And my partner and I had this conversation when I brought it up with him as well. I said, what's your view? And he said, if I get engaged, I want to be married within a year. And I said, really? And I sort of said, why is that? And he said, because if I'm getting engaged, I mean getting engaged to get married. It's not, oh, well, now we're just engaged. How wonderful. Kirsty can wear a beautiful ring and with Beyonce forever. He's like, it's for a purpose and that purpose is marriage. Oh, my gosh. I totally concur with him. Two things. I've got a lovely quick story about our mutual friend Judith who was part of our boobs and bonking. Do you remember Judith is a marriage celebrant? Yes. And she recently did a one of those marriages that's had to be changed due to the current situation. And what was lovely was that we have a mutual friend, Judith and I, really close mutual friend. 
the bride came up to get married and the bride said, my dress, because I've had to organise this so quickly, is from this particular person who donates things onwards. It was her wedding dress. And as it turns out, it was our mutual friend. We couldn't believe it. And it brought all of us, all four of us, so much joy that this dress had been repurposed in this fashion for another day of love in a difficult circumstance. But coming back to the engagement, my own experience is that from the moment we got engaged, we got married less than two months later. My husband had decided he wanted to go overseas. I couldn't get a visa and we weren't going to get married in a hurry, but we ended up organising our wedding from the moment we went, yes, let's get married in three weeks. Oh, wow. I know, which is not the done thing, but in many ways, looking back on it, we had the best day because I just didn't have an extended period to stress about things. Yeah. It's funny, my sister got engaged in the January and married in the September, and I thought that was a short period of time. But three weeks is a whole nother level. Yep, I bought my dress off the rack at Witchery the weekend before I got married. And I didn't have the time to do all the, you know, you want to get skinny and all these sort of stuff for a wedding. However, at the same time, the girl who was my best friend was also engaged, and she had given herself, I think it was about 18 months. And Every single factor of that day had to be planned, prepped, organised. And it was, I mean, my mine was extremely economical, but that's the hard thing also is that for some women, for some men, for some families, the whole process of the marriage day is such a big deal. One mm. of the things for me personally, again, coming from a Christian family, is that we had to get married in a church. So that okay. was interesting because we had to go through all the process of meeting ministers and being counselled and on our commitment in front of the eyes of the Lord, etc. But the wedding process from that day when you do get officially engaged to that wedding day you set in the future is a very stressful journey for a lot of people. It's funny because I think about marriage a lot, but I don't think about a wedding day a lot. I don't want to get married in a church, nor does my partner, because they're not particularly religious. But I could not tell you, I want to get married here. I never think about where would it be? What would I wear? What colours would I want? What flowers would I want? The day itself barely ever crosses my mind. And I'm not engaged. I'm not getting married anytime soon. And yet, marriage is something I think about. And that future is something I think about. But the wedding day itself isn't. Wow. I love that you just said that. Does it sound bad? I mean, I no. think... No. Does it sound bad? Wow. And that articulated in itself is fascinating. Why does the day... It's not the day that matters. It's the rest of your life. Yes. But how different is the rest of my life now to what it would be like if I was married, doing the same thing every day? Not really. I think that's one of the things that potentially younger people now are starting to think. And I want to bring up a few examples because I've got... A few friends that I've spoken at length about this sort of thing too. One of them is my friend Elliot Work. She's in a committed long-term relationship, but it's long distance. She's in Canberra, he's in Melbourne. And in no way is she against marriage at all, but she just doesn't necessarily want to get married. For her, that's just something that for her, she's sort of like, oh, I'm not really all that bothered, not really all that interested And the same with a work colleague of mine, Clinton. He's 30 this year, I think. And same as him, he's sort of like, oh, it's not that I don't believe in marriage. It's just that I don't necessarily need it. I don't necessarily want it. And then I've got a girlfriend who was engaged for a period of time. And that relationship didn't work out for the best. And she's much happier now. But when that relationship ended, she said, when he proposed, I 
was excited for maybe a couple of days and then the excitement wore off. And she said, when I was looking and doing wedding planning, the excitement wasn't really there. And then she said, it was almost like a bit of a relief when they broke up and there wasn't that hanging over her. She was like, it was a bit of a relief. And in the aftermath of that relationship breaking up, she'd said to me and a few other friends, I don't know that I ever want to get married. And I think that was one of the reasons I wasn't that excited, apart from the fact that it wasn't really the right relationship, as she realized after but it was more that she's like, I don't really know if this is something that I want. I don't know why I want to get married. And a few of us said to her, I think it's about when you find the right person. When you mm. find the right person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, maybe you become more open to those things. And she's in a relationship now with a guy that I just think is so perfect for her. I just look at them together and I, I've only met him once, but I see them together and I think they're like the double of each other. I really can see this working out. It always sticks with me that mm, I wonder if her view has changed. I wonder if because maybe now she's met someone that is more right for her and they're not at the stage where they're thinking about marriage and things just yet. But I wonder if that view will change. And that's when I think it's interesting that my other two friends, Clinton, who, as I said, is almost 30 and who's in a dedicated long-term relationship with his partner, isn't all that fast. And my friend Ellie, who's in a long-term relationship with her partner, isn't all that fast. And then there's me who really wants to get married, yeah. also in a dedicated long-term relationship. There's nothing different about the relationships either of us are in, yet we all want slightly different things from it. Wow. So many different internal feelings. I think some of it's also guided by our own experience of our parents' marriage. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's huge. And so what you see from them is what you either hope to be or hope not to be or whatever it is. So that's such a factor as well. The thing that would probably cause me the most distress in my life would be if my parents came to me and said that they were breaking up because it would just, oh, it would, it'd kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you're the same. Yeah. So I've always had a really good impression of it. I just, I think like you, I just didn't think about it all that much. And then I suppose I did meet the right person. My priorities changed once we got engaged. But even that we did in a very haphazard way, which here we are more than 20 years later and we've got to be doing something right. But even then, I think I have to be honest, I don't think that's like me because you say you didn't think about it all that much like you but I really do think about it a lot to the point where I'm sort of like, is this ever going to happen? Am I thinking about it too much? And, you know, my partner and I have sort of had those conversations where it's we're both on the same page in terms of we both would like that at some point. But I think our timelines might be slightly different. If it was to happen tomorrow, for me, that would be the best thing ever. But I'm not sure that he's on that same timeline. I spoke with my husband just this week about how we got engaged and it was my birthday. We went out for dinner. We had a horrible meal experience where I thought that the waitress had spat in my food. It was that oh. bad. And, oh my goodness. And things got worse and worse and worse. And when we left the restaurant, I was in tears. I was that oh no. upset over the meal, right? So after that experience, he kind of went, well, perhaps timing's not happening here. Yeah. So we went home, we were lying in bed and he just turned to me in bed and asked me, but he said to me just this week, I'd made my mind up that I was going to ask. And yes, the dinner was horrific and it did ruin when I was going to do it, but it had to happen that day, I decided. Because there is the tradition for men to propose, maybe that's a thought that we as women never really have, no matter what our age is. 
as to when it's important for them to do it for whatever reason. You know, like your husband wanted to do it on your birthday and that was his plan and he really wanted it to happen whether you had a good dinner or not. Maybe that's something we also maybe don't think about because the ball's often not in our court to propose because often it's the male that does it. Well, I have one more thing on that too. I have a girlfriend who has relatively recently divorced her husband. He is a deeply analytical man, can't make any decisions until he's thought about it from 25,000 different angles. So she proposed to him because she knew if she left it up to him, he would never do it. Then later in the relationship, because she really wanted children, but he kept sort of saying, well, we need to be here and here and this has to be right and this has to be right. And so they ended up having one child, but she said to me, I wanted a bevy. I wanted heaps of children, but because of the situation with the type of person that he was, it was one and one only. In the long run, she had to make all the decisions because this is the thing with life. All of these things are scary, but sometimes you've just got to step in and take the plunge because in the long run, when you take the plunge of these things, in that moment, nothing really changes all that much. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Interestingly, on that point, at the moment, I feel like everyone in my life is doing that. They're either buying a house or they're having children or they're getting married. And it's everyone that's in that sort of mid-20s, early 30s age gap. And everywhere you look, it's happening for someone. Whereas in my age gap, I keep seeing these people who I thought were going to be together forever break up. And that's disconcerting. Oh, God. Does that change your view on young people getting married now? With all that, do you think you're in any way jaded? Like if you were to say to your young niece or someone like myself or someone in their 20s who wanted to get married, would you encourage that, seeing everything that you're seeing now? All I have really decided is that I can't pick it. I see people who I have thought would be together forever and they haven't been. I've seen people who I thought were probably ones that maybe I didn't pick being together forever and they're still going strong. So it's a lottery. My mum said to me that marriage is luck. You just don't know. And we talked about this right at the very start of the relationship. You can be wonderfully compatible, but then things like death, a massive move, losing jobs, something like that comes up and they're your testers. Yeah it's, yeah, it's actually not the doona. It's the testers yeah. in life that really let you know. And I have moments in my life where I remember going to pick my husband up from sign language class the night that my brother was missing. And I just, you know, the only person I wanted to, oh, this is going to be emotional one, but he didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I didn't, I, I was so upset. But through that whole process, the consistency of having that person in my life is incredible. And they're the person that you want to tell these things to and that you want to cry to and get that support from, I suppose, whether you're married or not. Whether you're married or not, but support is the key. I still really feel like, especially as we've isolated, that the commitment discussion is more valuable than ever. But a lot of people find if they've had a relationship where the partner is working a lot and that's just the established way so that you've got a lot of freedom because the other one's at work or works in defence. I mean, we live in Canberra, so we have lots of those people who have commitments overseas or away. When they come back and they're with you nonstop, that's difficult because you've got your own established life. And so when the dynamic of the relationship changes, that can be hard too. Yes, because it's not what you're used to. And I suppose that comes to the point where it's, well, should you have these experiences before you decide to make that commitment? Things like living together and even having assets, even buying property or having joint bank accounts and all that sort of thing. 
just so that you're on the same page when it comes to change. Yeah, and the bank account things is a big one as well. I know some couples that have separate bank accounts irrespective, some that only have joint accounts, some that have both. And the money side of things, especially when the balance of who earns the most can be a something in relationship yeah. too. I wonder if marriage is still important to younger generations. I wonder what the general consensus is and it'll be interesting to see what other people think as well. Yes, and commitment. What does commitment mean to you? That wraps up another episode of 2040, a podcast celebrating friendship across generations. You can contact Jen or I via our 20-40 Facebook page or email 20-40 at gmail.com. We love your feedback, thoughts, questions and ideas for future podcasts. Thank you for listening.